It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. One Lewis is good, two are great, but three is perfect. And you'll see why in a moment, as my guest is jazz trumpeter, vocalist, and composer Dumani Smith performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Saturday, April 15th at 6 and 8.30 as he celebrates the origins of jump blues and jazz in, ready? Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. He'll be performing renditions of timeless classics from Lewis Armstrong, Lewis Prima, and of course, Lewis Jordan, along with music he composed especially for the show. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com, and for everything about Jumani Smith, go to jumanismith.com, and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jumani, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. When did you first meet the trumpet? I first met the trumpet when, in, boy, a long time ago. I'm afraid <laughs> yeah. to say how many years. <laughs> but uh, when I was in fourth grade, a person came to my school to show us some different instruments. And I was just really taken by the French horn. And I wanted to play the French horn. And I asked the teachers if I could play the French horn. And they didn't know how to teach the French horn. They didn't have one available. So they would, stuck me with the trumpet. And then it sort of stuck. <laughs> what, what, when I was growing up, I, I, I sort of went through some really challenging and traumatic times in my earlier years. And uh, music was like a, it was a, a big release for me. And it, it was like a source of inspiration and a source of uplifting me out of those trials and tribulations. And so it, it became a really special component in my life. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Because I, I tried to find where you, I just had trouble finding where you were growing up. I didn't think you were incognito, but I just, uh, just didn't didn't no. see it there. <laughs> but, so you grew up in Seattle. Then when did you know this was the instrument for you since you obviously could not do the French horn and now you're on the trumpet and you, you connect with the trumpet. And I have to say, when you watch, you perform, you can go to YouTube and, and better yet, go to the Smith Center. It's this Saturday, April 15th, 6 and at 8.30. When somebody watches you perform, you could see you're extremely comfortable and in your element. Thank you. I developed a, a connection with the instrument really quickly through those trials and tribulations and the trauma I was going through. And I started to see some positive feedback really quickly as well, which helped me. It was like one of the only things that I felt like was really positive in my life at that time. And when I went to high school, I got into this really good jazz program. In Seattle, when I was growing up, there was like a large community of aspiring young jazz musicians. And it was it was a really special environment to be in. I didn't really realize how special it was until I moved to New York at 18 to go to college and met many of my peers who were one of only a few in their community who wanted to be jazz musicians. See, when, when I was growing up, there were hundreds of us. And we used to hang out all the time. We would go to festivals together. We would practice together and just learn the music. 
And it was just a normal thing. And so from that time, I was really inspired. And when we would go to these festivals, I was always really good at sneaking backstage and stuff. So I'd get to go meet the artists. And, you know, it was amazing. I, I have a, a picture. I met Herbie Hancock when I was like 14, you know. Nice. Oscar Peterson. I, You know, it was just, it was wild being able to be around these people whose music I idolized. And so that really inspired me from the start. And then... I, I got to uh, to go to a festival in New York City called the Essentially Ellington Festival uh, that Wynton Marcellus had put together. And when I got there, he was like really warm and inviting to me. And, and, and uh, you know, he, he brought me in and he was just amazing, you know, from the start. And, and it was so inspirational. And he was like, you need to move to New York City and you should come out to New York City to be a musician and I was like wow that's that's what I want to do so at 18 I packed up and moved across the country and because I was a part of that large community when I got to New York I already knew a lot of people there and I went to college I went to the new school for a year well he was developing Winton was developing a program at Juilliard at the time and the following year I got accepted on a full scholarship to go to Juilliard to be a part of the first class of jazz studies at Juilliard. And so I, I was there for four years and it was an amazing learning experience. I still to this day, I don't think I've been surrounded by people so dedicated to the craft and intensely focused on pushing forward and, and developing. So, so that was, that was really amazing being there at that time. And then that the network that I built at that time led me to an opportunity to to do a recording session with this young up and coming singer who uh, had his first single coming up the charts. And the, the single was Home and the singer is Michael Buble. And so that was uh, 18 years ago Amazing. this month, actually. Amazing. And, and I've been working with them ever since. So it's it's been an extraordinary ride, and you know that was that was a, a really amazing thing. And along the way, I've done a lot of other things with other great artists like Quincy Jones and Stevie Wonder and and uh, Harry Connick Jr. and you know a lot of stuff as a sideman. And I've always had my own projects that I do as well, and increasingly wanted to pursue those more and more and. I'm excited to be able to present my show at the Smith Center for the first time. And I'm just tremendously excited about that. I think, too, that you'll be back as well, because I think you give off a sense of fun, enjoyment, dedication to the craft, as you mentioned earlier, and a comfortableness, again, with playing for an audience. There's just something about the way you come across, as opposed to other musicians who I've seen play or sing, sometimes there's a slight tension, which could be nerves or whatever it is. But you seem, again, to repeat myself, you seem so much in your element when you're performing. And I know that takes time to develop over years, but clearly you started out, as you said, with trauma and turmoil. And I'm, I'm fine with you not even going into detail about that. the fact that you surmounted that and got into a very positive vibe with music and doing as well as you're doing performing, as you mentioned, with Michael Buble and others as well, 
you also performed for Connick Jr., if I remember correctly, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Well, so when yeah, I spent two years on the TV show. Yeah. So you you're all over the place and you're doing well. When you are playing, and again, this is the perception from the audience, but from your perception, when you're playing or you're singing, because you do both, when you're doing that, are you in another realm? Are you in another world? Are you in your groove, so to speak? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm just the vessel for the music to pass through me, if that makes any sense. Sure it does, yeah. And just, you know, uh, I, I think going through all that stuff and having music be there for me has made me want to share my love for music and what love music has brought into my life with everybody else. And to be in a moment together on when I'm on stage and we're all in the room together, you know, it's a shared moment. It's a shared experience. And it's it's a great opportunity for us all to be swept away by the music and the excitement of the evening and the music. You unapologetically play and sing many songs from the Great American Songbook, which finds a natural home in jazz. How did you develop an interest in that kind of music? Well, I think it was when I was growing up in Seattle and I started playing in bands. My very first gig was actually in a mariachi band. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't even have Latin heritage at all, but I, I don't know. Maybe they looked at me and, and said, oh, well, he's, he looks close enough, so he'll, he'll pass. But, but um, you know, it, and, and it was just such a large community of aspiring musicians that I had the opportunity to hear and it's many different styles of music growing up and and the opportunity to try out different things. And that was one that just really I gravitated towards because of the freedom in the music. And the the one of the most interesting things about it for me is the improvisation, because it's like you're having a conversation live with the other musicians on stage in another language, you know, essentially. And that language is jazz. That language is music. And the conversation can get really hot and heated. <laughs> it can get really intense and and uh, it can get humorous sometimes and, and it can get sad at other times. And it's just, it's it's so amazing because it's happening in real time. And, you know, the music is, it's, it's just very special. I don't, I don't think there's any other art form where that type of improvisation over a form is as prevalent. So I don't know. It just, something about it just caught me, you know? And then I started learning the lineage and the history and, and the songs, the Great American Songbook being a huge part of that. And I fell in love with many of the songs and, and the sentiment of of the songs too you know many of the things that those songs speak of are things that we still speak of today things that are just as true today as they were when they were written but i also write songs in my own and in in my show you'll you'll see some of my original music as well which i'm excited to present for you as well it's a nice mix your debut album was i only have eyes for you and then it was followed by When You're Smiling, Harvest Moon, Jumani on Broadway, among others. Do you have a favorite album? 
Do I have a favorite album? Of yours. It's the album that I'm just getting ready to make. <laughs> Good answer. You know, I, I feel like albums are albums are timepieces in a way. They're, they they capture you and your artistry where you're at at that specific moment in time. And as an artist, I feel like I'm ever changing and developing and growing and Right now, I'm I, I'm uh, focused on a new project that I'm getting ready to go into the studio for here in a couple months, and and I'm really excited to hopefully bring that music back to the Spitz Center sometime in the next season. Excellent. Do you want to give us a hint about what you're working on, or is it still uh, confidential at this point? Well, I, I mean, I guess I haven't really shared much about it, but it's gonna be it's gonna be bluesy and soulful. You know, it's it's like a real bluesy, soulful band, and and uh, and it's got a different instrumentation. It's it's like uh, my my band. Uh, it's like an organ trio with the saxophone and everything, and and so we have a lot of fun, and and we can do a variety of different things, and it it really fits my voice well, and you know, it's it's really a, a fun band to be doing stuff with now. But with that said, my my last band and the one that I'm still presenting now was the band that I do the show with Lewis, Lewis, Lewis with. And, you know, that was a project that's it's also very close to my heart, which I started. I guess I started that project in 2017 and we recorded my album When You're Smiling in 2018 and it was finally released just before the pandemic, you know, and we had plans to go on tour and all the, you know, everything, the whole world shut down. So that, that changed everything with that. But it, I, I love Louis Armstrong and, and that music and Louis, Louis Prima and Louis Jordan, all of that stuff. You know, it's so much fun. And as a singing trumpet player, it's so inspiring to to put my take on those things. I think you may hear from either relatives or people that knew those people coming up to you after the show. And Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, I hope some of them come out. Yeah. yeah, I think that may happen. I can't reveal just yet, but I have a feeling that's going to happen. Who's your favorite collaborator? Do you have a collaborator? And if you do, who would that be? Well, you know, I've, I've had a, a great run with Michael over the years. Michael a lot of years, and, right. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a joy to be involved with him and his organization for the past eighteen years. Were you surprised that you were there that long? Of course, I thought it was only going to be like <laughs> maybe a summer. I actually I was planning to go back to to college. I I left in what was supposed to be my last semester to go on the road with him for the summer, and then that got extended, and I took a leave of absence, and I was thinking, well, you know this. It'll probably only last maybe <laughs> another couple months or so, but instead I got to be there and be involved with it as I, as it grew from small theaters to these massive arenas and stadiums that we perform in around the world now. You've been to Las Vegas before then because he's performed in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been to Las Vegas many times performing with Michael. And what was even more exciting about my work with Michael was during the last world tour he right before the tour started he called me and he was like hey would you 
would you uh, would you sing a song in my show? And so he invited me to be a guest artist. And I, during that entire world tour, I was the only other person to come downstage and, and sing a song. There was no opener or anything. And so it was an amazing experience as well. I, I did it in Las Vegas, actually, at the arena there, too. And uh, yeah, that was just, that was really tremendously cool. The very first time I got to do it, was in Dublin, Ireland at a stadium in front of 75,000 people. Amazing. That's a lot. It was wild. It was wild. Did you have did you have butterflies when you came out to do that? You're comfortable behind the horn, but when you first came out and Michael says, "Listen, I want you to come out and sing." Was it a little you not know, that you had doubt, but were you nervous? After all the years of doing it, I'm pretty comfortable on stage and and like I don't know. I was just more excited than anything. Yeah, I, I always approach it from like, a, you know who Michael Phelps is? Yes. He's like, he's a, a swimmer, right? Correct. So he has this strategy where you basically do the same thing every day. He's got this routine he does every day, you know, and he does it whether it's a, a practice or whether it's a meet. And it's always the same thing that he does in his preparation. So he expects the same thing in his performance. And so I I sort of approached things in that same way, you know? So I made sure that I was well prepared for the moment. And then when I got into that moment, I felt like I could just enjoy it and just be present there. And it was, it it always is tremendously exciting to be able to perform like that. Michael Phelps is a wise man. And I'm surprised you didn't take up the fact that, that have you tried swimming with your trumpet? That might be an interesting uh, uh, combination. I, I, li- I do like to swim. I mean, it's it's great for the lungs. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, your show at, at the Smith Center, again, it's uh, April 15th at 6 and 8.30. Why did you decide to focus on Lewis, Lewis, and Lewis? What did each man mean to you? Well... Louis Armstrong, you know, being a singing trumpet player, and Louis, Louis Prima as well, singing trumpet players, a lot of high energy, a lot of excitement in their sounds, both singing and on the horn. And I just love the energy of the band. And Louis Jordan, I love how joyful and playful his lyrics can be. And that music, it just it speaks to me. The jump blues, you know, the... The bluesiness and the the jazz, the the New Orleans sound, the New Orleans melting pot of cultures, and all of that stuff speaks to me, and and so that's why I wanted to create a, an album and a show that was that was based in that. I could see that working very well at Myron's because of the room. It's a great setup. I think you'll enjoy the sound there as well. Just the audio, the way they put it together. I'm so excited to perform there. The room looks gorgeous and, you know, we have a, a good house. The tickets are selling well and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it. When you started to put together this Lewis, 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 and all three, you could do a show on each one of them individually and make it a show, but you're combining the three. When you put it all together, you had to leave certain things out, clearly. So how did you decide what songs represented Louis Prima? and the other two Lewis's. How did that process work for you? Well, when I put it together, I didn't want to necessarily copy 
verbatim their styles. I wanted to approach it in a new way and in a different way. And so I wanted to sort of mix them together. Like when you listen to When You're Smiling, that's that's sort of a combination of Louis Prima's style and, and uh, Louis Armstrong's style together. And, you know, the beginning half of it is more Louis Prima and then the end is, is more Louis Armstrong from Dinah. And so I sort of meshed those together and, you know, doing things like that was, it was really exciting. I have a version of Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby that I uh, perform, but I changed it up. I changed up the time signature and the feel of it completely. And, you know, I sort of mixed that with a little bit of of, uh, John Coltrane's My Favorite Things. Nice. And so, you know, just trying different approaches to things and and seeing, you know, consciously and subconsciously how I can approach things in a different and new way with some historical reference, maybe. And sometimes just coming from my heart, you know, just entirely what I'm hearing as as an approach to the material. I think that's a great way to do it because you're not mimicking these greats, you are incorporating these greats in your presentation. It's tribute, but it's not as quote-unquote a tribute band. It is really more your interpretation of what you felt from each of these people. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. How would you, if if someone forced you to describe your music, (laughs) or you just voluntarily described your music, how would you describe your music? Or is it always evolving? Because you mentioned it that timestamp of when you're recording certain albums that reflects who you are at that point. Are you at a point where you are comfortable describing your music or is it always evolving? I think that my music is evolving. I think in my Lewis, Lewis, Lewis project, I am very influenced by the approaches of Louis Armstrong, Louis Jordan, and Louis Prima. And in my project that I'm developing now, I'm more influenced by people like B.B. King and Ray Charles and things. So it, it really depends on the time, you know, and what I'm going through, what's happening in my life. And, you know, we've all been through so much during the pandemic. And, and it was a time for me of deep reflection and, you know, it it. it that type of thing will change your approach to just about anything. It sounds as if you're unafraid to be yourself in this sense, that you're not going to model yourself after one type of performer. You're going to perform more as an artist than as a specific type of trumpet player or singer or musician. Well, you know, I've I've tried to be other people and tried to do other people's thing, but it doesn't work. You know, at the end of the day, I'm myself, so I have to be comfortable with that and develop who I am and and uh, try to be the best me that I can be every day. And as I grow, my music and the depth of my music and the depth of my spirit and soul grows as well. When you listen to your first album, do you see yourself differently today than when you recorded it? Or can you still appreciate it as an artist and as a listener? I can appreciate it as a timepiece. You know? <laughs> okay, fair That's enough. I was at that at that moment in time, and you know, there are certain aspects of that album that I'm really proud of, and there's certain aspects of that album 
that if I were to re-record today, I would do differently. But that's just how how it works, you know. It's uh, I, I'm sure if you ask Picasso if there was anything that he would have changed from one of his earlier paintings, you know, later in life, he, probably because of his experience and and the things that had happened to him over that course of time, he might have interpreted that particular piece differently. And, you know, I, I think I, I I don't want to compare myself to Picasso or anything, but I, I feel like I have a similar approach in that way to music is it's always changing. You know, it's like water, you know, it's an interesting two people you've referenced, Michael Phelps and Picasso. It's a great, interesting mix of people that you've drew, drawn in from, inspiration from. Do, do you see yourself becoming a star performer solely or a craftsman or both? Because I see you first as a craftsman and then becoming a star performer, but your dedication to craft, at least, again, from my perspective, that's where you are. But, you know, you're the guest, so you tell me. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, I've had a great experience as a sideman and as a craftsman, you know, over the years working with all these tremendous artists. And I've learned a, a tremendous amount about, you know, being an artist myself from all of them. And in my heart of hearts, I've always desired to be a solo artist as well and to be a leader. So that's that's where I'm at and that's that's what I want to be doing. Looking ahead for the next three to five years, concentrating primarily on performing, recording, or writing new songs or all three? I would say all three. I, I'm planning to release an album hopefully early 2024 and, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll be back in Las Vegas performing for you all soon. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been jazz trumpeter, vocalist, and composer Jumani Smith. He's performing in Myron's at the Smith Center this Saturday, April 15th at 6 and 8.30 as he celebrates the origins of jump blues and jazz in Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. He'll be performing renditions of timeless classics from Lewis Armstrong, Lewis Prima, and Lewis Jordan, along with music he composed especially for the show. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com for everything about Jumani. Go to jumanismith.com and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And Jumani, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Ira. It was a joy to speak with you. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Bring us your fantasy.